I'm Jared Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. And on this episode, I have on Aussie and Grant from Not Crypto Bros. Not Crypto Bros was a podcast that we did live for about a year and a half. We did about 105, 110 episodes. And today they're on, and all we're going to talk about is 2024 investment strategies. Now, this may go into real estate. It may stay in crypto. Could be NFTs. Could be bonds. It could be stocks. I don't know what we're going to go, but let's jump right in. Aussie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. Grant, glad you're here. Woo! <laughs> oh Let's my go. God. Let's go. Grant is, Grant's only going to respond in guttural noises today, and then we'll have to interpret whether he's bullish or bearish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's bullish. That's super bullish. So, <laughs> Grant, why don't we go to you? Oh. For 2024, yeah, because Aussie and actually... I will put this below, but Aussie already has a video out that's called 2024 Investment Strategy, where I think it's called Crypto Investment Strategy, Yeah, where he does a great job in breaking down where he thinks someone should, if you're new to crypto or if you're not new to crypto, where you may want to allocate some of your money. And before we go any further, this is not financial advice. If you're already in crypto, you can take this and do what you want. If you're new to crypto, you need to take the time to learn. So with that said, uh, Grant, when you look at 2024... You were saying earlier on chat, which actually probably sparked this conversation, that you're thinking about rebalancing your crypto portfolio specifically. Yeah. Uh, yes. And and I'm even looking at some of my stuff here. Um, so I've been a Cardano cult member for longer <laughs> than either of you have actually been in crypto, actually. Longer <laughs> than, like, literally. That is but wait, 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 wait. How far back is that? 2015 i think i think i think it came out 2015 so that's right okay wow yeah All right. yeah yeah i mean and it was it was all the buzz um and and i still am honestly but i'm changing i don't believe cardano in this in this microcosm i don't believe cardano is a what did you call it a a, a, a dino tonk what did you call it a dino i, I dino called token. i called di, dino I, I called a bunch of your investments dino tokens yeah 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 that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty shady right there that's like Bo boomer coins grant boomer coins <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like when when the kids come out and the kids are all going let's come up with names for our tokens um you got to look out for that because there's memes going on and uh, I don't think uh, Cardano and Tezos, I don't think these are dino tokens at all. I think um, pumps, the pumps coming, the altcoin seasons coming, post having and post rally, um, I think I'll still do good. However, I'm changing. I, I think um, my focus is in the number one investment always is your fitness and health, your own business and knowledge about that business. Secondly, and then like, what is the next, I'm an opportunist at my core. And, you know, we talked back in the OG days of not crypto bros, like, you know, I've been in crypto longer than anybody. And for the longest time, this pegged me and my group of people as Mr. Crypto. And I was like, mm, I'm Mr. Financial Freedom, bitches. And I, I wish that they would get that. And by that, I mean, I don't think anyone should be identified with anything, which actually makes building a crypto channel on YouTube pretty challenging. Um, uh, so what I'm thinking is this. I think, I think real estate is going to come back nuanced and different in a big way. Right now, being an owner and pulling rents doesn't work in most markets. It doesn't work. The rates are not doing great in most markets. 
However, I don't care because that is relative to what it used to be. And anyone who's investing in what things used to relative today to what things used to be is by definition, not looking ahead. And I think that just like we say is, is to Jarrett, and you'll say this before the show is over. Is it too late to get into Bitcoin? No. If we compared it to where it was, the answer to that would be yes. We don't. We compare it to where it's going. And um, and because of that, it's big. So anyways, I'm reallocating my ADA. I'm reallocating my XTZ. I'm looking at all of my um, non-blue chips and asking myself, where's the real play coming? And so I'm not saying for certain I'm getting rid of my ADA, but that's where that conversation started was, how do I put more into the blue chips? Because I think they're going to see, um, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, mainly Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, I'm still reconsidering my ISO tokens big time. I'm, I'm reassessing my ISO tokens. I don't know if that's really going to ever get a pump out of some of them, like I thought. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where that sentiment came from. And I want that money in crypto because I'm going to be juggling and pulling my, my reins between uh, where real estate's going and will need to go over the next two years and where um, the blue chips are going. So that's kind of the long-winded answer. That's a great answer though. And you know, our dynamic on not crypto bros, there really wasn't an MC. And if there was, maybe it was Grant who you were kind of pulling <laughs> the reins to go with the analogy you just kind of just went with. So I, as much as I am the guy here, I'm more than blockchain. Please feel free when pertinent to throw, you know, questions back at me that are going to make yeah. me squirm in my chair. Ooh. Aussie hearing what Grant just said. Mm. And for those listening to more than blockchain that don't know Aussie, but maybe watch not crypto bros. There was a time where you were looking at real estate since Grant was just talking about real estate. Now in our chats, we've continued to talk about how farming long-term is something that's going to bring you tremendous joy. Mm. So is your plan now to grow your crypto portfolio over the next couple of years, take some off the table before we go back down to a bear market uh, and invest in a farm? Is it going to be an invest in a house? Maybe it's both a house that has farmland. Where does real estate play a role for you moving forward and how does crypto maybe support that? So, that's a great question. That is 100% my plan. I, in depending on how I finish this next bull market, uh, mm. the plan is is that if I do finish it quite well, I'll take some of the money off the table, um, out of the crypto table, and it'll go into my my farming slash agricultural table, um, <laughs> my my separate section for that. That will probably going to be buying some land with farmland uh, at that point. Uh, and depending on how well I do, maybe a bit of re residential rental real estate, but not, not heavily. I will still be favoring my crypto bags at least for one, one another full cycle. Uh, just because I do think that while real estate is a great long-term play, I do feel like there's still some more opportunities in crypto, um, over the next five to 10 years. And Aussie, once again, I'm going to keep shouting out this video because I think it's important so people can go check it out in the description, your video where you break down your 2024 strategy. Of all the money that you currently have in crypto, which let's not talk about the amounts, let's talk about percentages. What percentage of the money you have in crypto or that you put in crypto over the last I don't know, six to three months or whatever it's been, you know, last 180 days, 90 days, 30 days, how much of that is dedicated right now to your airdrop strategy? Because when people yeah. go to your YouTube, which I hope that they do, 
you talk about airdrops a lot and I will not, I want to keep everything above board. I have given you Ethereum to go airdrop for me. I think that that's interesting and I want that to be kind of a part of my strategy, even though I think on this, uh, on this call, I would be quote the dubbed Bitcoin maxi. I am dipping into other things that are outside just buying Bitcoin. So when you think about airdrops, how much of that, how, how personally, how much does it take up of your portfolio? And then how much would you recommend that it takes up a people's portfolio? Would it be either less or more or the same of what your uh, portfolio allocation is for airdrops? I'm right now I'm doing the rough math in my head. I'm somewhere around 20% of my portfolio is airdrop farming. Uh, to be fair, some of the money that's airdrop farming of that 20%, some of that is just, uh, for example, Solana that I'm, I would have bought and held anyways as part of my portfolio that I am now I'm just using in actions for airdrop farming. So when I talk about 20 to 25%, probably even it's there, it's some of that is money that is really doing things that I wouldn't be doing in my portfolio. Otherwise, if I weren't airdrop farming and other things are just using money that I would use, I, I was going to buy that token anyways and use an airdrops. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, so you're mostly doing Solana airdrop farming? Ethan Solana, uh, some Cosmos. It's kind of a, a mixed bag. Depends depends on what your targets and what your time's like. Uh, ETH farming's it, more time-consuming. Yeah, because the airdrops are really interesting, at, at least for me and maybe for Grant as well, because it's just something that I'm not really tuned into. So when you say, hey, I was going to buy the Solana anyways, is that kind of like, hey, I was going to put $100 into Solana anyways. Now I'm using that $100 to go out and provide liquidity for new projects. I know I'm not going to lose that $100 of Solana. I'm always going to get that back. And the hope is I'm going to get that back plus 2x or 3x on top of that value. Is that kind of the, the, the philosophy? That's the philosophy. Uh, I'm often what I'm doing right now with Solana especially is I there's a few lending and borrowing apps out there that are, are out, uh, getting ready to launch and I'm lending my Solana, borrowing some USDC or Solana back, buying some Solana and then kind of looping some of that through their, uh, through their different dApps so that I earn some points and that way I can earn some tokens from them when they airdrop. And so in the end, I end up with a net winner where I've got that Solana that I'm not, I'm not risking it. And I'm likely going to earn an airdrop on top of that. So, you know, when I hear that, it makes me think that oftentimes in our crypto bros, we try to draw analogies from crypto or NFTs or DAOs or anything mm -hmm. from the blockchain back to ecosystem, back to something that people can put footing on in yeah. the other world, the web two world, the analog world. And Grant, I'm struggling. Do you have anything when you hear about airdrops? Do we have anything currently that exists that's like airdrops? Because it's not like you can go buy a bunch of Tesla stock and then leverage that liquidity to build up other projects that are tied to Tesla. And then you maybe double your Tesla at the end. Of, you know what I mean? So is there anything that you could think of? Or, or Aussie, do you want to weigh in? This is like, a, I would say it's a, not a great analogy. Uh, but it's the closest thing that I can think of. There's some anyone that trades options uh, with if they just trade options where they um, they've already owned the stock and then they sell it, they would potentially sell it at a certain price. Um, I think that's puts. I could be wrong. Um, it's either, but yeah, I, don't I think get it's the correlation to air. Well, because. <laughs> 
Because essentially they earn a premium for putting their offering that put. And so you're earning Solana, you're earning Tesla stock for putting Tesla stock up as a, as a put. Um, it's not, as I said, it's not as good an analogy because there's a lot more risk with options than there is with 90% of airdrops, 95% of airdrops. And so it's not a perfect analogy, but it's the closest that I've got in terms of non-blockchain uh, opportunities. I would, I would say the closest thing in traditional finance isn't a traditional instrument. Um, it would probably be a private placement, private investment, uh, otherwise known as accredited investors, in um, a venture fund. And when you invest in the venture fund, any venture that succeeds or gets legs, you get stock issued. Some people will probably draw the correlation of dividend investment. And it's not exactly, it's, that would probably be the closest. You put your money in, basically you stake your money. You get stock certificates in exchange. You hope those stock certificates grow and they steward the money well. And then you hope that they're not a growth stock. You hope that they're an income stock. And that income stock means that they issue dividends, you know, semi-annually or quarterly. Um, but then in crypto land, uh, the airdrop could be other projects and you can't do that with dividends, you, you know, with and then close- with dividends, dividends is, I, I think dividends is ETH staking. That, that's ETH state. That's like, yeah, that's a lot Lido or anything oh. like that. So that's where I was going to go to. Yeah. It feels like staking, but I like your idea of the private placement and that's yeah. just a world that maybe I don't know as well, but what yeah. you're saying is that's where you're going to put up a hundred thousand dollars. And then maybe you get paid back in $600,000 in overall value, but some of that is stock. Is that what you're saying? Some of that's stock, but then taking it further specifically where that private placement, like I just talked to an, a cattle rancher at the gym and he was looking at private placements. He's super wealthy beef guy. And um, he's done, he guys has like 10,000 acres in Florida alone of beef and steer. And he's just an old school salty um, this is not a derogatory term to people in Florida, but it is to others. He is a true cracker, um, meaning his family. And there's there's history to that. That's non-derogatory. Um, but just Floridians would know this as he's like an old fifth generation Florida family. And he started with one steer head. He's got a bunch of steer. And he was offered private placement for bourbon barrels. When he invests in that private placement, he can only pull returns on bourbon. But I was taking it further and saying it's pro- it sounds more like a private placement into a VC fund that has a portfolio of projects. Um, and they then get a share of any of those projects that get off the ground, which is even rarer. Well, this is great. And the reason why I giggled when Aussie first said – the idea of uh, a a put or a call Mm -hmm. was because I was like, wow, there is nothing maybe analogous in the business world of analog that's similar to airdrops. But I think you've hit on something, Grant, that is fairly similar with the private placements. You know, like if you're going to buy, I would say, but but the thing is, is even with private placements, you're talking a whole nother risk class. Uh, Well, I think it's maybe not a risk class, but what I will say is it's a permissioned 
system. In order yes. to be an accredited investor, you need to show a certain amount of literal financial well-being to be able to be an accredited investor and even have those things come across your table. Whereas if you watch Aussie's YouTube videos, which I'm going to click below, clip below, you don't need anything. You could go in with five to $10 and then be a part of it. And so I think that that would be the difference. One seems highly permissioned where you really need to show the bona fide vis-a-vis your current TradFi portfolio to say, hey, I, I can get in this door. You know, I'm worth this much. Whereas Aussie and the new system or, you know, the digital system or the permissionless system is like, dude, with 20 bucks of Ethereum, you can go start airdropping today and be rewarded. And so question that's pretty that, cool. Though. Question to Aussie. Aussie, I, I want to hear you finish your definition there of a permission of a risk class, because mm. I think on, on Crypto Bros, we got into many a conversation about risk definition of terms. So uh, how are you assessing that? Like, what's your conclusion in layperson's terms as a per, as a risk class? Tell me about that. So when I talk about risk class and what I'm thinking about with an airdrop, with most airdrops, if I come in with, let's say, $1,000 worth of ETH, mm -hmm. in most cases, at the end, I will have close to $1,000 worth of ETH, whether I get an airdrop or not. That, 000, that, initial, that initial is generally relatively safe. So um, the definition of risk in this, in your use case, is the quantity and... Um, assurance that you won't lose your initial, your initial isn't investment. yeah you, you won't your initial won't isn't at risk you've never lost your initial investment very it's very rare you never <laughs> outside of a hack no yeah Outside well, of so, a outside of like a normal sure. being an idiot. so a hack is a risk though, and this is this is why I, I do wish more people were educated on traditional investment vehicles. Those who are a lot of the arguments around crypto, and I'm a fan, but a lot of the arguments are based on contrasting traditional, and when we when we permission things like accredited investments, there's a reason. And you have to have certain net worth, net worth requirements. Why? Because that 100K you put up needs to be a drop in the bucket in case you get hacked. And so risk, and, and my definition of risk is not the quantity or the assurance that you get it back, but the combination of the two. How much is that money? And if you lost it relative to your net worth or net wealth, um, is it a big deal? You know, And is it something you can know about? The, the, the risk and, and Jackie, Jackie quite often was um, a healthy balance to our fanboy attitudes towards permissionlessness when she would say, can you imagine how chaotic the world would be if everything was permissionless? And it's, it's actual total chaos. And there's a reason in some instances for regulation and permissioned environments. I wish airdrops, and I mean this, I don't wish the party would end, but I wish crypto and things like airdrops were regulated oh i'm gonna disagree with you there's something that i'm experiencing with airdrops that we're see seeing right now that i absolutely hate it actually like it actually vehemently pisses me off is <laughs> we're seeing are you gonna disagree or eventually oh, I agree i want to hear it i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree i'm i'm straight up disagreeing okay, okay, okay. right now um we're starting to see proof of humanity requirements or cool. get coin scores. And right now, you want that 
I do for not the think investors that, or for the investment for people airdrop farming. If you are airdrop farming, if you have a wallet and you're airdrop farming, you have to potentially have a Gitcoin score and a proof of humanity on that wallet. And to me, that pisses me off. Why? Because the airdrop farming is a value exchange. I'm bringing you TVL, total transaction volume, and uh, like a total number of transactions on your chain to help boost the value of your product. Yeah. And so, so are you it against- doesn't matter. It does, doesn't matter whether I'm one person on 20, 30, 40, 50 wallets or I'm one person on one wallet. Does that does that really matter on your total uh, valuation? Does that really hurt you as a company? And in my mind, it doesn't because technically all of those represent a unique active address. They all bring transactions and they all bring volume. And that is what the value exchange is supposed to be. And now they're changing that value exchange and essentially you're now punishing smaller wallets, people that don't have as much money because now it's, oh, you've got to be able to do 500 million, like $500,000 worth of volume on one wallet to get a huge allocation. Whereas I could do a thousand bucks worth of volume on 200 wallets Mm. and potentially earn a similar or even bigger reward normally. So are you against private placements and regulation in TradFi? I think that some of the regulations in private placement and um, and especially um, the definition of a, a accredited investor are too strict and way too permissioned in terms of how you mm. how you can get access to it. This is really interesting because conversations that I have on the 100x podcast, I'm the pro regulation side, and you got and normally they are very anti-regulation. So this is totally, uh, this is a flip-flop of a conversation for me. There's a nuance I want to call out that you just made. I, I, I believe that you're saying that there's these gatekeeping going on based on your, you know, the quantity you can invest in a certain amount and, uh, um, like 500, you know, thousand dollars worth of transaction in one wallet versus a thousand dollars in one wallet. Um, the gatekeeping from accredited investments is in theory, in theory, and we'll just dismiss with all of the hyperbole around it. But in theory, it's if your net worth is not that of a liquid millionaire or making, I think it's $200,000, $250,000, it used to be $250,000 a year annual income US or liquid net worth of a million dollars, you can't handle the setback if this thing goes wrong. And what you're saying is, is that's not exactly what's going on. What's going on is they're limiting on a per wallet basis. And that is some goofy gatekeeping. I, I would agree with that structure, but that's not apples to apples. In my opinion, I, I think. Oh, that no, that is- I, I wasn't, I wasn't comparing necessarily the, okay. the rule. I'm just, but what I'm saying is, is like there, I think we're seeing an attempt to bring regulation of a kind to airdrops. And I think okay. that that's, is that I, a regular? Is that was it a regulatory body that brought that on, or was it just like people being bitches? It's well, it's <laughs> kind of a move towards some of the like statements by Elizabeth Warren about oh. uh, about 
you know, <laughs> self like banning self custody and okay. uh, validators KYCing everybody, and like it, it's kind of some of those stupid statements are kind of making their way in uh, ways that airdrops kind of companies that are doing airdrops manage their airdrops. Go ahead, Jared. So all I was going to say, <clears throat> I was just going to say that I think that this particular conversation is an interesting one because what Aussie is basically saying is there needs to be proof of humanity. I think that's the most fascinating part from everything that's he's been said. He's saying there shouldn't be, right? Yeah, he's saying there shouldn't be. But Correct. what we're doing is talking about proof of humanity. And if you listen to uh, Andreas and Antonopoulos talk about Bitcoin back in like 2013, 2014, 2015. This is even before retail AI has gotten to where it is now. And Lord mm -hmm. knows it's crazy. Mm -hmm. We could talk about Sora for days. Like that video stuff that's just yeah. dropped is like mind blowing. Yeah. But one of the things he talks about, he's like, can you imagine a world and in which, can you imagine a world in which computers can talk to one another, not only talk to one another, but share value. And that is the world that he was really excited about with Bitcoin. Because he's like, here's this permissionless, globalized, decentralized system where you can exchange value where one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. And you could just have things set up and have machines talking to one another on your behalf that you've told them to do. What he was basically talking about was smart contracts that didn't really exist then. And you don't have to be a part of that ecosystem. But if we start adding proof of humanities that every wallet has to have a Gitcoin score and you're only allowed a certain amount of wallets with this particular Gitcoin profile, for example, it kind of dampens things quickly. And I think it changes the way crypto at least exists now. Now that's not to say that, you know, change isn't necessarily good or bad. And I think it takes a while to decide whether it was good or bad, but I do think it alters the way we currently engage with crypto. And I love how Aussie's seeing this vis-a-vis -vis airdrops because the situation he brought up where he's like, where well, I could have 50 wallets and I'm airdropping all of them. Cause that's mm -hmm. what he's doing. Right. That is what he's doing. And that's how he's able to, to get value into the system. But if he had to have a Gitcoin score and Gitcoin only allowed him to have three Ethereum wallets, for example, with ERC20 tokens or whatever, then he's kind of cut at the knees. And so anyways, I, I, I think that like that's kind of where could, I wanted to unless go. You, unless you have the ability to buy like a thousand uh, Discord addresses, like Discord accounts and run VPNs and have like you basically start needing a tech team behind you. Which was the origins, this. which was the origins of crypto. So, I mean, that's like saying that. So what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is there's an inevitability to proof of humanity. There's an inevitability that there will be guardrails. And, and my theme, I think you guys have learned over time is I'm CDO, right? I'll try anything. I'm, I'm down for anything, but I'm also at the same time, a realist opportunist. And I don't fight it one iota. Like I have no flag on. It's got to be this way. And when I hear like you got to have this tech team, you're totally right, Aussie. Like you got to figure out maybe I'll get a new Gmail account to open up this new wallet. And now I'm spread out. That's literally how we started. Meaning that's like when when I was in my, when my 20s and 30s, I had to hold down two or three jobs just to pay my bills. And now when we have to hold down two or three jobs, it's absolutely unjust. And it's like, you're right. I mean, that's exactly how if we want to keep running the underground, if we want the revolution to stay alive, then we're going to have to keep fighting those fights because that's where the, that's where it will demand us go. So my question is, is everything that all the arguments, not just yours, but all the arguments against regulation, proof of humanity, KYC that I've ever heard. I have not heard an argument 
that other than it's harder. Well, no, no, we, we established it's harder. It's harder, but so what? So, so yeah, so I think, yeah, so I think it goes beyond the, maybe it's harder. And obviously we're on airdrops. We need to get back to overall strategy of talking about 2024 investments. We've gone down a crazy rabbit hole. We're sorry for everyone watching where we'll get back. But on that point, (laughs) There are millions and millions and millions of people around the world that do not have IDs, that cannot prove who they are to get through a KYC system. I have many friends in Colombia who can't get through Coinbase's KYC system, and they've mm-hmm. seen Bitcoin go from 35 to 52 while they've been trying to go through the process. So mm-hmm. it is a permissioned system. The KYC or the AML process, I think it should be in place, but it is a system that unfortunately excludes people. It's like a bouncer at a club. Some people get in, some people don't get in for a holy host of different reasons, as opposed to not having a bouncer at a club. People just show up and they can just get in. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it goes both ways, but let's go back to the, so we've talked about Aussie's doing 20% mm-hmm. a, as his airdrops. Mm-hmm. That means the rest, Aussie, do you want to break that down quickly? I know that you've talked on your YouTube about 25 Bitcoin, 25 Ethereum, um, but please go ahead. Yeah. So the rest of it outside of the Bitcoin and Ethereum, I, I sector farm. Uh, I, I sector, I, I separate my portfolio into sectors. Uh, I follow different key narratives and allocate a percentage of my portfolio towards those narratives. Uh, so GameFi, AI, RWA, D-PIN, and I've got one that's kind of just a loose uh, kind of amalgamation of different things. Mm. And uh, and so I allocate the remaining kind of 10, it's about 10% per sector, more or less in my portfolio uh, spread across those five sectors. The 20, my 20% of airdrop is split between my fifth sector and some of the tokens in my other sectors. Uh, and so that that's kind of how, how it's captured, but that's, that's my investment strategy. Mm. And then when I look at my sectors, I'm splitting, I've got right now in my video, I have five tokens per, or yeah, I've got five tokens per sector, but I'm closer to 10 on most of them just because I've got enough capital to make it make sense to have 10 and two of them are large caps, usually a billion plus or 500 million plus. Uh, and then two are medium caps, usually uh, somewhere around a hundred million and up, uh, but below, always below a billion market cap. And then I've got six that are below a hundred million dollar market cap or low one hundred million dollar market cap tokens. And that's per sector. Per sector. Cool, Grant. When you, and now we had talked about, I think even at the beginning of the show, you were looking at ADA and Tezos and saying, you know, maybe I might sell those and mm-hmm. probably put it into a split of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk about your crypto. And then also mm-hmm. you've already been on the show and I will leave this link below about the way you were balancing your portfolio. And that was almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. So if you could talk about first your crypto strategy and then talk about the percentage that that takes up in your entire investment strategy. Got it. My entire investment strategy. So I'm um, so basically I'm in a consolidation phase. I, I'm I'm trying to decide which cryptos to cut bait on, and the main reason is we're now as a technology, not a currency, and not an investment vehicle. As a technology, and then by proxy in those other areas, we're in the second expansion of this tech. And if you know, if you look at any technology, it hits its first bubble, its real bubble. And I think the the last 
uh, crypto winter that we're now just now kind of thawing from, that was the crypto bubble version one. We've had crypto winners before, but the bubble that we just came out of or got into a winter um, was when we saw huge amounts of retail losses for the first time. And, um, and the holdouts lost their shirt. The, and the startups in that phase, the, the crypto startups in that phase, there was a huge consolidation. So now what we're facing with the next halving is sounds like it's all new. And it's, it's really not. It's the second, um, I wouldn't say bubble, but the second bowl of a tech. And if you look at any tech, uh, the, 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 its adoption curve, it goes through very similar rises and falls. So um, I lose interest in something after the first, I've realized over the last 25 years, I've been aware of investing. I kind of lose interest because of all the me too's and the demand on my bandwidth right now, Aussie's going to make a ton of money a for several, for several reasons. A he has an analytical mind. B he's still in his mid twenties and hungry for this niche. C he has not let up on his learning um, of this specific niche. So he's talking about, you just mentioned six things uh, of how you distribute across sectors and my brain literally blanked. The, and like, I'm like, I, I saw you taking notes, Jarrett, but I'm like, he's telling me acronyms and letters and things. And I'm like, I don't, I can't even keep up with that. That is a sign to me that it's time for me to adjust my strategy. And I've been sensing that for a long time, not just Aussie, but that's a confirmation because Aussie's now using jargon that's sticking. Whereas a lot of the uh, losses in bubble, you know, it's gone. We were talking about, uh, well, I won't even get into it. We were talking about like Wonderland and all this other stuff and they had their own terminologies and they all blew up. A lot of startups failed. Now what's going on is nuance is occurring. And when nuance occurs in a technology, you the, the companies that rise then will largely stick because they learned lessons from the last bubble. And so we saw this with the internet, like literally 1.0. We saw this with the rise of search engines. We saw this with the rise of social platforms. Um, we saw this with the rise of graphics cards. Like any kind of tech has gone through these cycles. And this is this is a natural cycle. But the nuance, the difference here is that it's also financial. It's fintech. It's also financial investments. I am absolutely convinced that um, I'm an antagonist to some of the ideas you have, Aussie, obviously, but I am, I am also convinced you'll probably make in the long run more money than Jared and I will ever make because you're sticking with it. And I do recommend that. So Jared, I say all that to say that tells me liquidate and grow what I know as an investor. Um, and so take my profits because I'm not going to, because to stay in the game, I have to lean into Aussie's level of nuance. Jarrett, you've got a unique position as a maxi where you can hover at the highest level and learn and go deep and get nuanced, but about the highest level ordinals and what's going on with like mining and what's going on with hash rates. And you're just diving deep at the highest level at Bitcoin, right? And, and you have vast knowledge. Otherwise, we, we must acknowledge that. But as an investor, your knowledge is like all up in the Bitcoin world. For me, I look at it and go, Okay, I have more knowledge in business. I have more knowledge in info products. I've been doing info products for 25 years. I've been doing public speaking for 25 years. And I'm seeing a huge opportunity off the tech. So for me, I'm consolidating down to my blue chips. Um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I'll probably keep Link. I'm looking over at my chart here. Um, I'll probably keep XRP going. I'll probably keep Matic going. XRP just got absolutely railed in this last hack. And I, I'm, I'm not 100% confident in that.
but I'm really cutting that which that which I know I will no longer research. I don't know. That's my top criteria. Does it have a future? I was asking you boys about Tezos, and Aussie definitely thinks no. Jared's got questions, and he thinks it's going to be strong, but really it's going to be strong not for any reason other than the rally, right? Like the rally's going to make it strong. Jackie seems to have some you know logics on why Tezos is going to be super strong, and she just made a comment about some of her own investments in that. But for me, the top criteria is will I study this to the depth that I should, because as we were saying before, Aussie risk to me is the difference between what you know and where you put your money about whether or not you know it. And so for me, I acknowledge I'm not going to research Tezos. I'm not going to research Algorand. I'm not going to, I could ask my bros, Hey, what are you studying? Um, but now you're talking about stuff that you're studying that I don't know the definition of the terms. And then I asked myself, am I going to go research the definition of the terms? And I'm going, no, but if you told me about an ADU on a property, an accessory dwelling unit, if you told me about tiny home villages and the future of cap rates on property, I know I don't have to study shit. I know exactly what's going on. And so I do know what's going on with Bit. I do know what's going on with ETH. I do know what's going on mostly with Link and Matic. Um, but I'm also losing a grasp over ADA, meaning Charles, what's he talking about, Hoskins? Like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, like I'm starting to ask these questions, you know? And going, you know, maybe they have a nuanced place in the future ecosystem. Who would have foreseen that Moonbirds got bought by Yuga Labs? You know, like there's all these consolidations happen. That's other evidence, even in the NFT space, when when these consolidations start happening, that the next wave is coming. So, Jarrett, long-winded answer, but I think your audience deserves to hear um, much different resounding clanging I'm making than the early YouTube channel I had about a lot of this stuff. Um, but I just have to own that. So I'm going to roll mostly into blue chips um, and then let it ride. I do believe in the strength of this future. If anyone would ask me, I'm more bullish on Bitcoin than I've ever been. I'm more bullish on Ethereum than I've ever been, um, which is why I'm kind of going, you know what? I could go all in and that's a fair, safe bet. And now I'm setting myself up for that rolling into real estate. So my grander strategy, Jarrett, I think crypto currently makes up of now about 30% of my investments may, uh, is that accurate? About 30% of my investments at this point. Um, TradFi, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing with my alts, I'm, uh, also you might find this interesting. I'm looking at liquidating nearly everything except cherry picked in my TradFi. Within the next three months, my Vanguard 500 hasn't made 7% a year since I started in 2008. So, I mean, and I've got a chunk of change over there, bros. So I'm, I'm looking at liquidating nearly everything. I've held out way too long, and that might roll into split between my cryptos and my real estate. So that's kind of the long-winded but nuanced answers that I think your audience deserves. I'll hand the mic to you guys. No, I love that, Grant. I think Aussie also enjoyed that. That was amazing. And I think I've always said you're one of the most well-balanced between real estate, crypto, and TradFi. And actually, I have a question about your TradFi uh, beyond the Vanguard, which I know you've been putting into in 2008. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is symbolic. 2008 was a tough time for you. And you said, no, I'm never letting that happen again. Let me dump money into this. And I think right. that shows consistency mm -hmm. and longevity. Do you still have Coinbase? Because I remember you were buying Coinbase oh. at 30, 35 and I never did. And I should have because now it's at about 200. And I think as <laughs> Kathy Wood has said, she sees Coinbase going to 2K. Yes. Which I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think is crazy yeah. at all. Like I think no, that's no. even undervalued because I, I they run the world. <laughs> they're, running, they're running all of the ETFs. Yeah. I mean, 200 was their IPO at the last, which was happened essentially at the peak of the last bull run. It was 250, I think. And yeah, it was, it was a little bit higher because I, because I, 
because I, I bought it and got beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyone who anyone who bought their, their IPO got burned. They're, if they yeah. didn't DCA, they're getting close to uh, a break even. Uh, That's right me. Now. Thank you, Aussie. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank this you. is the Coinbase yeah. Anonymous. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely think Coinbase is positioned as the first stock, like crypto stock to have IPO'd yeah. to really do pretty well in the next. Uh, I, I think this next bull run will be really good for them. Yes. But I do think they'll still feel some of the effects like they did in the last of the next crypto winter, just like they did the last last. I'm one. up almost 300 percent on Coinbase. Doesn't surprise me. That makes which, sense. Which sounds about right, if not even higher. I mean, Coinbase is an excellent. So actually, that's the one thing I wanted to ask. And, and, and I'll actually start. I'll lead. I yeah. think that there are three TradFi stocks that I would be interested in. If I were putting money into TradFi, I am not. All my money is into the blockchain-backed ecosystem. There's like a small percentage which owns a little Coinbase, owns a little Beyond Meat, owns a little things, you know, things that I'm kind of interested in that I that I products I've tried. Beyond Meat's also got crushed, but you live and you learn. So the three would be, and I would ask that when you guys share your TradFi stocks, you don't do Bitcoin ETFs because that's just kind of like, you know. Yeah, that's a cop-out. Don't do Bitcoin ETFs. Okay. Or Bitcoin mining stocks. Those are things that are going to continue to grow, just analogous to Bitcoin's growth and its overall brand adoption, not just like people buying it. Um, yeah. The three I would say, and you can also steal these or piggyback because some of these are good ones. One of them is Coinbase. We've just spoken about that. I don't see that mm-hmm. changing. They are tied in. Brian Armstrong is just boys with the SEC and everyone else. Like I, I think he's played the game right. He's It's been a long game since he started this thing with whatever, I think back in 2012 or 2013, I think he's done it well. So Coinbase is one of them. NVIDIA continues to just shock and awe, continues to shock and awe. And then finally, the one that I always think is the most hated, but still undervalued if you look at their long-term propositions is Tesla. So those would be the only three that if I were putting, once again, this is not financial advice, please do your own research. If I were putting money to TradFi, those are the three that I would look at. And do you guys, do you hold all three of those or any of the three of those? I don't hold any Tesla. I own Coinbase and I don't own any NVIDIA. So for me, owning crypto, especially proof of work crypto like Bitcoin is, and I know that they don't have NVIDIA, like Bitmain really controls that, but that kind of feels like something tangential. Uh, I, I would think if NVIDIA were to really go down, like a good amount, maybe put money in, but I feel better on my returns and my overall understanding. And as you said, Grant, you know, grow what you know type thing with Bitcoin and even Ethereum and just some other things in the blockchain-backed ecosystem. So besides those three, would you add, would you guys add anything else if you were picking three, uh, Aussie? Aussie uh, Google, I, I, I keep a, my eye on Google and Apple. Those are, I, I'd say if I, I'm not, I will also add this. I have 550 bucks worth in the TradFi market. Okay. That that's all I've got in the TradFi market, <laughs> and I think actually I might add Microsoft in there. So six, um, but and I own a little bit of Microsoft through an ETF that I bought from my bank back in like 2020 or 2021. Uh, it's done absolute garbage. I'm still down on it. I don't. Huh. It's absolutely. I I absolutely do not. What, which one is that? Uh, it's a, I I'm with the Canadian bank, Canadian ETFs and stocks and stuff work totally different, uh, than the U S so I'm not going to dive into it, but it's totally like, I'm, I'm still down. I think (laughs) we trade molasses and moose tracks. That will be another ASMR hour where Grant and I fall asleep and Aussie just continues for six hours rubbing the mic and telling us about Canadian stocks. Um, Grant, the minister of finance. (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> other than those <laughs> six that we've kind of mentioned, Aussie mentioned three at the end there. W- would you add in any of, of TradFi stocks that you would, you know, put some real money into or you believe are going to be growing, especially in this year, 2024? Um, yeah, but it's not what everyone wants to hear. So let me, let me just reinforce a few. And I do hold Google and I do hold Tesla. Um, and I do hold Apple. I'm really tempted to dump my Apple. I'm up 50%, but I think I'd rather have that money, A, and other stuff I believe more in, B, something that's more of a dividend stock than a growth stock. Um, I do have, I do believe it has a super strong future. I just don't care. Um, my, my <laughs> Nintendo stock is I love through that. the freaking roof. How long um, have you been holding that? You've been holding that for a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm up really good on that. Um, but my stuff that I'm looking at, um, uh, BP, I think BP oil, I'm, I'm up pr- dramatically in BP, which is, uh, the, U- the British pens oil, uh, oil stock. But, um, because we're on topic of tech, I will say, I believe Microsoft will shock people soon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there was another one. I do believe Blizzard and Activision will, um, will continue to rally kind of alongside NVIDIA because I believe that there is a play. There's graphic cards already in play with AI, but when it comes to gaming and now that we have the Vision Pro, I think we're going to see, and, and technologies like it, we're going to see a renewed interest in kind of the Ready Player One world. And that's, that lagged for a while, but in any bull run, whether it's crypto or not, because so many institutions are holding so much crypto, um, a, a crypto rally, even though you might not have a TradFi rally, or you might, I think they're going to be in more and more intertwined. They're going to be more and more connected and you'll see renewed interest in these cutting edge technologies in VR and AR. And so I, I cannot help believe um, companies that have just been slugging it out with AR and VR um, that, you know, have good financials will be there. And I just, I've been watching Activision since I played freaking world of Warcraft, you know, back in the day and just looting, they have the most advanced world building, um, team around and when you pair that with graphics cards that are just trying to keep up with ai and then a i don't know if you've seen how ai is actually doing game dev like ai itself is 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 is, and then they're running scenarios on how do we build this infinite world game and ask ai how to build like i'm sure you've seen that they're using ai to run entire molecular labs so like if we're trying to do material sciences and come up with a new material to send something to space or send something to venus we putting everything together is just going to be nuts but why don't we just run it through ai and so ai is not only like oh the maths are cool it's actually like entire virtual worlds and so whoever's dealing in virtual spaces um is huge believe it or not i I believe tesla has a lot of because of its Neuralink. Well, Neuralink. Neuralink, Neuralink is big, but also because of its radar tech and its spatial reasoning, reasoning in the AI, you're going to see this transfer into game design and into virtual lab design. So I, I am paying attention to Activision Blizzard. I do agree with NVIDIA and any graphics company like it, and then any of the support companies on its supply chain. But Microsoft, I think, is a sleeping giant. I'll, I'll stop. I, I agree. Microsoft's a sleeping giant. If you just think about the companies we've kind of run through. You have Tesla, they have AI with their self-driving cars. You have Microsoft, they have OpenAI. You have Google, they have Gemini and they're about to drop Gemini 1.5. You have Apple, mm-hmm. which is the Vision Pro, which is basically looking at the future of how we're going to potentially communicate. Mm-hmm. That's all, it's just, you know, everything's basically tied into the future, future of tech. 
the future of tech, right? Which I personally on this show, really, we touch upon AI and blockchain almost exclusively. And so it's no wonder that all of the stocks or TradFi stocks that we've called out. The one stock that I think I would be, I would be wrong as a maxi and someone who's in Bitcoin and people who watch this are into Bitcoin would be MicroStrategy. I was going to say. I know. I saw, I, say I, it. I, no, no, we said no mining. Not an ETF, okay. okay. We said we said no mining. We said no Bitcoin ETFs. But MicroStrategy is the one that's like the very yeah. crazy elephant in the room because all he's doing is getting money as the stock goes up, then dumping that into Bitcoin, and then the stock continues to go. Like it, yeah. he's 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 reengineering how like like Wall Street doesn't really know what to do. So Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy is going to continue to be an interesting one if people are looking for a TradFi option that's also tied into either AI, blockchain, or directly related to Bitcoin. One of the things, and do you guys I'll, have- I'll, t- I'll tie in one last thing, Intel. Intel did has had been performing pretty garbage up until now, but uh, I've, I'm kind of into computers and that kind of tech and smart homes. And they've <laughs> just launched some uh, a new CPU that has um, AI, that's kind of being built with AI loads in mind. And so it's that- weird. So that's really cool. It's not perfect. Their tech isn't perfect yet, but they're, they are really kind of dabbling in that sphere. And so uh, I think that they also do a lot for servers. So I, I think that they're pretty a pretty interesting one to watch out for. Uh, it might be not necessarily 2024 play, but a little bit of a more long-term play on the space as well. I will add on the international field, we cannot ignore Beta Vault, a Beta Vault. Um, they are building nuclear batteries that don't have to be recharged for 50 years. I saw this. My biggest worry is the radiation, but I will not be the first guinea pig. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't mind CDO over here. Put it next to my crotch. I don't even care. Like, <laughs> I, it's like I don't. I, I don't care. Like wow. Well, this was a PG thirteen show. Thank you, Grant. You made it NC seventeen. CDO stands for Chief Degenerate Officer, as he normally goes for degenerate gambles and bets with his money. Um, If you guys have like ten more minutes, I've got a couple more ideas I'd love to throw by you. So we've talked about some ideas about you know strategy, what our portfolio looks like, especially always touching upon where crypto plays a part in that. And I think I want to call out and give you guys the mic for easy this and also go to you since Grant just finished out and said that he yep. wants to put radiation next, next to his crotch. Uh, Aussie, <laughs> what is a crypto that is a shiny object and people should stay away from? Ooh. And what is a stock maybe that's a shiny object and people should stay away from? And then Grant, I'm going to just throw it to you. So be, be, be thinking. Oh, this is a... An interesting conversation. Uh, one thing that I know I'm seeing a lot of people talk about uh, that I'm a little bit worried about uh, in the AI space for crypto is Tau, uh, T-A-O, BitTensor. Um, it's got a really big valuation. Uh, a lot of people throw it around as kind of the leading AI, one of the leading AI cryptos. And when I did my research on them, I... I'm not as sold or convinced on them as other people are. And just based on the rally that it's seen up until now, uh, I feel like there's maybe a lot more influencer hype there than there is actual necessary value, uh, especially looking at the fully diluted market cap. Uh, so that that's one. If I look at a crypto thinking about stocks, meta probably is the first one that comes to mind. 
Uh, I, I'm not crazy bullish on meta. Uh, I, I think social media and like at least the current forms of social media are dying in different different realms. And so I, I don't necessarily think that people uh, will want to. I don't think meta has as big future. Um, so before I pass the mic to Grant, and it looks like Grant's doing some research on the side here. Mm-hmm. Meta is an interesting one for me as well, Aussie, because if I was poked a little bit to answer this, I would say the same. But the thing about Meta that I that I want to also say is they've come up with those Ray-Ban sunglasses, which are bringing them more into the tech space. They had already, they own Oculus, right? Which eventually is going to get the VR headset right. And WhatsApp, they own WhatsApp. They own probably the biggest texting platform on the planet other than, I don't know, maybe WeChat or whatever. Uh, yeah, WeChat. All they have to do is figure out how to properly monetize that, whether that's with their own global currency or whether that's using Bitcoin Lightning or something else or even a stable coin. And I think that then their revenue is definitely going to shoot up. And I think that that will be a positive for their overall stock. But that's not to say that I do agree. I think Facebook, while it still underpins a lot on the internet, whether people realize that or not, I do think over the next five to 10 years, Zuckerberg is highly aware that he needs to shift, whether that's into products or recreating things. And, you know, he still owns Instagram, which is still one of the biggest social networks on the planet. No matter where I travel to, I exchange one of two things with people that I meet, my Instagram or my WhatsApp, which are both under his roof. So those would be the only things that I would say. Uh, oh, I, though, I think yeah. there's massive caveats. Like I, I talk about meta and I throw meta under the bus in terms of my picks. Uh, like I'm sure I could put, pick some random small stock and say, you know, that's the, but in terms of the big stocks, uh, the kind of the big 10 in, in some essences that w- that's probably my pick there. Is there a lot of things that could go right? Yes. Like if you found a way to monetize texting in some way, yeah, that could boost their, their total revenues. But if we look at uh, what's being built on chain and there are uh, applications like this, uh, Dmail and a few, Beable and a few others that are bringing texting on chain, that essentially if you wanted to pay for texts or pay for that messaging, you would just do it in a decent- like on a decentralized service rather than through uh, yeah, and, and, and just to be clear, it, it's not necessarily that they'll be paying for text. It's more that they will finally like. There's a race, in my opinion, which is like which social media is going to have the first in-app payment system to exchange value, and I think it's between X and WhatsApp right now. Meaning, I want to send Grant fifty dollars, and Grant is in Europe, and he wants he you know Grant's in, in London, that's and he Telegram. pounds. And you okay? So you think that's Telegram? You think they've already done it? Telegram's got the Ton network. They're really they, they're really not far. Uh okay. and and to me, the Ton like if you're if you're talking about that exchange of value, it's it's Telegram like for that type of use case, you're talking about Telegram. If you're talking mm-hmm. about financial uh, certain financial platforms, X could play a certain role in that in terms of being able to react immediately based on news to do financial transactions. Absolutely. I think X could potentially become that place, but it's taught. You've got Ton or X right there okay. in terms of um, either peer to peer or financial, like financial services reaction to news. 
Yeah, I was thinking more more peer to peer, but yeah, I, I think Meta is a really good call out there because it's a shiny object. It's in you know top ten when you think of Silicon Valley. It's it, it's it's massive, right? It, it owns a lot. So Grant, how about you? Any crypto and any stock that you think is more shiny object for twenty twenty four? It's more uh, more bark than bite. You know, I'm going to say this, and my caveat for crypto, and my caveat is that I'm still a fan, um, <laughs> but. I think um, I think it might end up being a shiny object, and it's Chainlink. I I I I see it. It has value. It works. It has contracts. It has use cases. Um, it's just not exciting. So it's shiny, right? And it's an object, but I I am losing faith in their ability to uh, get the level of adoption that the early hype of Eric Schmidt coming on the board and everything from Google, Eric Schmidt, am I saying his name right? Um, he was the CEO or whatever of Google and came over and that brought a lot of clout. It could have just been the crypto winner. Chainlink has continued to be an Oracle for so many things. And I do believe in the tech I'm talking about the company now. And, um, and so when I, when I critique it as a shiny object, I'm critiquing it and its ability to market itself to retail. And um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm, I'm fearful of. Honestly, I hold a lot of chain link when I'm doing this consolidation, I will continue to hold my chain link. Um, but just the critic in me or the analyzer in me is just like, man, what is going on here? Um, I, I, I passionately disagree on the analysis of meta. I think, I think Mark, um, is supremely flawed. I think they took an absolute bath on their, their meta play, changing the branding, but because of that bath, I am more bullish on their future than ever before. They took an enormous loss and their company financials did not change a blip. I mean, they did. They got under. They they were criticized, but the company is unfreaking stoppable. So when I talk about financials and shiny object, if anything, it's a dull object, meaning it, it's very fancy right now to like talk shit against Facebook. Not just you guys, but like in general, a lot of people are like, man, where have they gone? What have they done? It's not a shiny object at all. In fact, it's the redheaded stepchild of 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 Silicon Valley at the moment. It's still around. So for me, I'm like underdog is going to show up and start blowing shit out of the water because it was able to take this hit and survive. So I, I, I just wanted to make that note. Um, I, I, I'm unsure. I guess I can make that same claim on Google. It's not a shiny object. So who's the shiny object? You know, I, I don't know in the TradFi space what, and by shiny object, something that is being hyped that doesn't deserve the hype. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't, it's not a stock yet, but like open AI, like could falter, right? Like right now they seem untouchable and everyone's praising them, but they're not even a publicly traded entity yet, but they're largely owned by Microsoft. So it's hard for me to put, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, no, this is my call. Apple. Mm. I, I, I think it's financials are strong. I will admit, and it does have a super strong future, but it's elitism. Uh, in its messaging and branding and the products continue to get worse aside from the vision pro. Like I, like I, I have employees who have Macs, and there's computers in my space are always the ones broken now. 
from a product perspective. Now, maybe I think Apple is redirecting its energies and that's fine. So from an entity perspective, but they are shiny and everyone loves to love Apple. Um, but to me, there's so many areas that they seem to be neglecting um, that have been their core for so long that I actually am going to call the Apple. I mentioned I was going to get rid of its stock. I'm just like, man, I don't know. And I'll probably be wrong. I will probably be wrong on this, right? But that's just my sentiment today. Boom. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I think that, I, you know, I think the Vision Pro for them was one that was going to be quite the leap to kind of get out ahead of everyone else and have a $3,500 price tag. And I mean, I had the Oculus that was 480 I think I spent 500 because I got the extra strap or whatever. And that thing gave me motion sickness, yeah. gave me headaches. <laughs> and people are returning the Vision Pros now with the same oh, kind of critiques. That. Yeah, I haven't, people I haven't are, heard that. Yeah, because it's after, you know, they had like the 15 day or when you could return it. And that's just come and gone. And so a lot of people returned before. And it's been around. If you look it up, Verge did a whole uh, episode on that or did a whole, you know, breakdown of why. And I, I guess for me, just super quickly, Ada, if it were crypto, uh, Charles Hoskin. I think he's great. I think his idea is great, but it's almost like he fell in love with his own idea. And the other thing is with crypto, like if you're not just constantly building and just building partnerships and building things that people can use, it just kind of dies a slow death. And I know yeah. it has a cult and I know maybe it will do five to 10 X. But for me, it's one, it was the one thing in 2017 I was told to not touch and I never touched it. And I feel fine from a financial and investment standpoint. And we are doing an investment episode. And then yeah. the one thing in Silicon Valley or the tech, which would be part of the Fang stocks is Netflix. I just don't oh, think Netflix oh, has a very, yeah, yeah I, I just 100%. don't think Netflix has like a crazy bright future where you're going to be getting somewhere between 12 to 15, you know, year on year for the future. Whereas some of the other things we've talked about, the ones we've called out that are great, like the MicroStrategy, the NVIDIA, the Microsoft even, those ones I just continue to, to continue to think are going to work out. Even though I'm not going to put my resources there, they're ones that I'm excited to continue to see grow. Those are my strategies for when outside of uh, like ag land, those are my strategies for when I'm tax hedging uh, in, in 2025 and tw slash 2026, moving money into tax advantaged accounts. I'll be looking at those and Bitcoin ETFs. Like that's, mm. that'll, that'll be my strategy. Um, Cause mm. you got to diversify somewhere at some point, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we have gone over an hour and I think we said we were going to try to do 40 minutes. So per usual, when the three of us get together, we continue to talk and I'm sure actually we're going to continue <laughs> to talk on chat after this, we but uh, Aussie and Grant, thank you for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and leave all of your socials below. We can Please. talk after because you have a bunch of socials. We'll put the ones you want to be focused on. And as always, if you enjoyed this, please go ahead and subscribe, go ahead and share this with a friend, family member, or a colleague. If they're thinking about investing, if they're already investing, this is a very interesting conversation. One that was definitely crypto or blockchain backed ecosystem, ecosystem focused, but one that kind of needs to be had, especially at this moment, as we get going in 2024, no matter where you're listening to the podcast, whether it's on Apple or Spotify, or you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. And I will see you guys next time. Grant Aussie. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.